0: Hi, I'm Crystal, the Parenting Coach. Parenting is the thing that some of us just expected to know how to do. It's not like other areas of your life where you go to school to be taught, get on the job training, or have mentors to help you learn. Now you can get that help here. I believe that your relationship with your children is one of the most important aspects of your life and the best way that you can make a positive impact on the world and on the future. I've made parental relationships, my life study and use life coaching tools with connection based parenting to build amazing relationships between parents and their children. If you want an even better relationship with your child, this podcast will help you take my parenting quiz. The link is in the show notes. Once we know what your parenting style is, I'll give you some tips tailored to you and a roadmap to help you get the most out of my podcast. I invite you to help me spread the word by sharing your favorite episode on social media or with a friend. Welcome to today's podcast episode, Conscious Discipline for Parents and Teachers with Mr. Chaz. Mr. Chaz has a mission to help adults truly see, guide, and trust children. He is pushing the needle a little closer toward world peace with his approach. He is an educational specialist, parent coach, and content creator. He goes by Mr. Chaz, and he even has a song to prove it. Before we dig into this episode, I want to quickly mention that I'm going to be doing a workshop and I would love to hear feedback from you on what you would want in that workshop. I've had a lot of people ask questions about chores, how do chores work when you're trying to parent in a more conscious and gentle way and not be so forceful with it. I've also had people talk about compassion fatigue and also um, how to take care of kids that are highly sensitive and what to do if you feel like you are highly sensitive as a parent also. So there's so many great topics out there. Sibling rivalry is another one and I would want to hear from you. So head over to Instagram. You can also email me. You can click at the show notes for all the links if you want to scroll down and let me know what you would most like to hear from me and what would be most supportive for you. All right. Welcome to the podcast today. I am super excited to um, introduce our guest today because this is one of my very favorite people to follow on Instagram and has been for years. And I am super excited that he's here to share all of his knowledge and wisdom with us and to talk about a topic that I haven't really talked about before. So um, first of all, let me introduce Mr. Chaz.
1: Hello, hello. That's me, Mr. That's
0: Chaz. You. Hi, Mr. <laughs> Chaz. Do you wanna just give us a little, I, my first question is just gonna be, Um, tell us a little bit about you and what you do for the people that maybe don't know you yet and, um, how you kind of got into this in the first place.
1: Yeah. Seeing this this is a shorter podcast, I'm going to give you the short version. Um, I started off as a Montessori teacher. Um, I I learned a lot there. I grew a lot. People started to ask me questions. Then I became what was called pretty much a teacher coach, but the title was educational specialist, um, where I would go around to 10 different early childhood centers and I would support them and coach them and do trainings, things like that the pandemic happened and then I wanted to kind of share my lessons, all the lessons I'd learned along my journey um, all online. And so I started creating content for TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and it blew up. It resonated with a lot of people. It grew, grew, grew. And that turned into my own podcast called Mr. Chaz's Leadership Parenting and Teaching Podcast, um, where I introduce people to who can help them, who can help you on your leadership, parenting, or teaching journey. Um, and I idea there is to one dive deeper into the nuances um that is that's hard to capture in a one minute video and also to introduce people to um resources that can help them on their journey so you can kind of create a community of people that you learn from and that resonate with you um to help you learn and grow because i know that was really helpful on my journey Um, and so that is a little bit about me and how i got to be here
0: i love it and what i love is like you have so much knowledge and wisdom and all of these tools to help people but I think it's like a combination of that and the way that you say it your personality that just makes it so effective for people. Um I love the little clips that you do where you're like pretending like you're like the adult and the child or the teacher and the child or the leader and the child and kind of showing um what's happening from both angles. So definitely if you did not follow Mr. Chaz go find him on all of those places. Um, so what I'd love to dig into first is, um, I talk a lot about connection and attachment and, you know, consciousness within parenting. Tell us a little bit more about your approach. How do you help parents or leaders or teachers?
1: So I talk a lot about see, guide, trust, three words, see, guide, trust. And the idea is that we need to be able to see A child, a person before we're able to effectively guide them. And what we uh, traditionally have a tendency to do is to think that we have all the answers as the leader, as the parent, as the teacher. And if I, if this child could just listen to me, then you know, it'll be sunshine and rainbows and everything will be good and we'll live a good, happy life. As if you could just listen to what I have to, and the, the wisdom and the knowledge that I have to impart upon you. But the problem there is that a lot of times our wisdom and our knowledge falls on deaf ears because we're not really seeing the child first. We are in... in you know, kind of think about trying to uh, grab someone's arm in a dark room, and you don't see them, right? You're trying to reach out to them, but the, the the how you're trying to reach out to them isn't connecting with them, and so we just miss them a lot of times with our guidance. And when we see a person that does two huge things and I talk a lot about my focus is children. Um, but this is applicable to adults too. And when we see a person, when we see a child, it does two huge things, two major things. Thing number one is when a person, uh, when we see the person, we're able, it's illuminating, we're able to uh, actually reach out to them and connect with them. Um, So that way, our guidance is actually helping them solve the problem that they're experiencing from their perspective that they're struggling with. Um, And the other thing that it does when we see a person, when we see a child before we um, try to guide them is that they're way more willing to go on that journey with us to be guided by us when they feel seen when we feel understood think about a boss that you've had that you you felt like they didn't just they just didn't get you they didn't understand your job they didn't understand what you do and how you you know work with the clients or what the reality of your job is that person they ask you to do something extra, you're gonna be, you know, you might not say it out loud, but to yourself, you might say, you know, do it yourself. Like have someone else do that. Like why do I have to do your and 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 if we don't say it out loud out loud to them, a lot of times, and I've seen this happen so many times in so many you know industries. We'll talk amongst each other. The other people who are doing the job with us that understand, but well, this person doesn't know what they're doing, who this person thinks they is like fine, I'll do it, but we'll halfway do it. Right. And so we're not really putting our best foot forward. Now think about the boss that you had, you feel understood by, connected to, who like really took the time to uh understand the realities of your job and the realities of what you're you know, of who you are. That person, they ask you to do something, you'll go above and beyond for that person. Um And so this being able to really see and connect with a child is essential in trying to guide them. Now, the last part that I didn't talk about is trust. And this is the part that... Um, I think we struggle with a lot in kind of our mindset um, is to really understand that everyone is trying their best with the skills, knowledge, and resources they have access to in that moment. And, and that that's, that's not just the child. Yes, the child is trying their best. Um, but Also, you, as the parent, you are trying your best with the skills, knowledge, and resources you have access to in the moment. Now, that doesn't mean that you're always going to be at your best, right? You might be, you know, on a scale from 1 to 10, you might be at a 6, you know, but you're going to do your best with that 6, right? You know, you may not always be at your best, but we are all always trying our best. And so, to understand sometimes that, you know, maybe your child may be may wake up at a five, right? And to see them and to understand that, like, okay, this our child's having a hard time right now. You know, they're not giving us giving us a hard time; they're having a hard time. To understand that, and to understand that, you know, maybe this, you know, my child might need connection, or they might need a little bit more time, or they might need, you know, me to give the direction in a different way. Um, And and a lot of times we get to saying, well, I know you can do this, you should know better, right? Because they've done that, you've seen them do the thing before. But right now in this moment, you know, there might be something that's stopping them from being able to do it in this moment, you know, Um, and so to really take a step back, and to really see the child um, and see where they're at, so we can meet them where they're at and guide them um, along their unique journey. Um, and so that is a <laughs> condensed version um of um, what I'm talking about with Sea Guide Trust, um, writing a whole book on it. But um that is a little bit of an overview.
0: oh, I love that. I'm totally going to get that book. I, um, there's a few things that you pointed out that I want to, that I want to hit on. I was just listening to your interview with, um, Dr. Mona Delahook the other day and, and it really, I I had somebody comment on one of my reels the other day and she said, um, I know my child's way more capable though. Like I know, like we've done chores before and he's been able to do this chore and now he's not. So I know that he can. And so I need to make him do it now kind of a thing. And I loved what you talked about with her, which is the same kind of concept of like, that doesn't mean they can do it in all situations at all times. Just because they figured out how to do it one time in the ideal situation and can accomplish that task then doesn't mean that they're at a 10 all the time, just like we're not at a 10 all the time.
1: Yes, just like we're not at a 10 all the time, right? Because if you're listening to this and you're on the journey, you're trying to grow and improve, there's going to be some times, and you know, you're learning new skills, and children are constantly learning new skills. You know, their entire childhood, they're learning new skills. Um, and, and you as a parent, but still learning new skills. And, and so there is, may yep. be times where you're able to keep your composure, you're able to guide them, you're able to get out the door without yelling at them or threatening them. And gonna be some times where you're not able to do that, right? Um, and it might be because of, you know, lack of sleep. It might be because of you're stressed out about something else that's going on that has absolutely nothing to do with your child. You know, it, it could be, it's so many different things, right? It could just be you have a headache because maybe the lights are, a little, a little bright, or maybe you're dehydrated, or maybe you're hungry, or maybe something happened at work that day, and you're still got some feelings in your body, and so you might lash out a little bit more quickly, or maybe, you know, your partner didn't do something that they said that they were going to do, so now you're, you know, you're just feeling a little bit more feelings. You don't have as many resources to pull on. Um, you might have the knowledge, but you might not have the resources to really access the practice of it, um, and so just knowing that you too are included in this, and to yeah. just be able to recognize that, and then also give yourself empathy and be aware of what is going on in your in your body instead of yeah, you know judging and shaming yourself because that's what happens a lot of the time because we have this. Our self-talk a lot of times comes from um, how we were responded to and how we were talked to growing up as a child. Um, and so now we have that self-talk we might say, oh, you're so stupid. Like, oh, you always get it wrong. And we talk to ourselves and, and, and that negative self-talk stops us from actually just becoming aware of, okay, I yelled, I'm recognizing that I am... Hungry, and I yelled because you know I wasn't able to take a step back. I wasn't able to take a breath. I wasn't able to you know calm myself and respond in a different way. Something's going on in my body. Okay, I'm hungry. Maybe I need to eat something and then come back to this. Right? That judgment, that way that when we don't show empathy to ourselves and we judge our shame ourselves, it stops our it stops us from actually improving from uh and learning from whatever we just whatever mistake we just made and The power in that, you know, it's not about just being, you know, perfect. You know, I say, you know, don't avoid being a perfectionist, be an improvementist. The goal isn't to be perfect every day. The goal is to improve a little every day. And so the judgment, the shame, you know, and and, and, and the pressure to try to be perfect and never make mistakes actually holds us back. And what is more powerful than being perfect or pretending to be perfect and pretending that we don't make mistakes and trying to hide our mistakes from children is to show them how to make mistakes. How when we make a mistake, how we can come back from it, how we can give ourselves empathy, how we can um, apologize for it and not apologize in a way where we're um, uh, avoiding the responsibility and we're saying uh, uh, things like, Uh, I'm sorry that I yelled at you, but you need to listen the first time. That's taking away the responsibility. That's still putting the responsibility of our actions on the child. And we say we are so funny as adults because we'll say all the time, um, kids learn this from us. So they'll say things like, um, they'll like hit a friend or their brother or something like that. And, um, you know, we'll say like, you know, you're, you know, you're not supposed to hit. And they'll say, well, they made me do it or they told me to do it or they were doing this, so I hit them. Mm-hmm. And then we'll say something like, well, you're in control of your own choices and no one can make you do anything, right? If they jumped off of a bridge, would you jump off of a bridge? Then we'll yeah. say all these kind of things like that. Yeah. Meanwhile, we'll say, you made me put you in timeout. You made me yell at you. This is your... your... Your fault that I did
0: this. You hurt your sister's feelings, right?
1: Instead of taking responsibility of what we did and the choice that we made to yell, to to, to time out, to spank, and I don't even like using the word time out because it means a lot of things to a lot of different people. So I'm just gonna actually just uh, correct that and just say uh, force. Uh, uh, force them into isolation because that's what I mean when I'm, when I'm yeah. talking about timeouts. Um, and a lot of people do it differently. So, um, but we'll say that we, uh, uh, that they made us do it. Um, and so just in the process of this, is it's okay to make mistakes. It's a part of the learning process for you. It's a part. Of, it's an essential part of the learning process for them. And the most powerful thing that we can do is show them how to repair relationships after mistakes and how to take accountability and how to grow and learn and improve and problem solve um, for mistakes. One last thing on mistakes, um, a little acronym that you may be able to take back and remember. Um, That comes from conscious discipline, which is one of the philosophy that I practice. Um, Oops stands for our opportunity to problem solve. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you make an oops, you know, it's not a, uh, oh, no, I'm such a bad person. I'm such a bad parent, bad mom, bad whatever. It's our opportunity to problem solve.
0: I love that. I've always said there's no learning in shame. When shame is present, when we feel like we're not enough, when we're you know really down on ourselves, we're not learning, our kid's not learning. It's just not useful. And we do that as humans. And And to move through that, we have to find this acceptance of our humanity and it's okay to make mistakes and also find self-compassion for ourselves. And when we are hypercritical... Uh, internally, we're going to be so much more critical of the people around us. So I always say like it, it always starts with us. Like if we want to show this compassion and connection and all of this to our kids, we have to first give that to ourselves. Um, I loved what you said about the, in the sea guide trust, the sea part of it is, is all connection, right? It's like witnessing them and validating them and being there for them. And so many people come and they want to know specific outcomes, right? How do I get my child to do X, Y, Z? How do I get them to stop doing X, Y, Z? And it's so specific and it's so outcome-based but I feel like with this approach, it's more like okay, let's let's calm down, let's figure out like what's going on inside of us first. Let's see them, let's connect with them, um, let's believe that they're doing their best. And from that space, it totally changes the energy. It totally changes our mindset. Like we're thinking differently about it. We're going to be able to be a lot more calm and a lot more present. And it's less about the specific behavior and more about that relationship you have with them.
1: Yeah. Yes. And you do, you know, you do see the behavior too, because the behavior is often telling you something. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot that we can um learn from observing their behavior. It's just that we're not judging their behavior. We're observing it and we're getting information from it, we're getting data from it. And well, just last night. So I did a podcast episode. I haven't put it out yet. Um, and you know, talking you kind of you I think you brought up chores and like getting children to do yeah, you know what you want them to do. And um and um someone uh, I was interviewing uh last night I was telling the story of how she just did this experiment of, you know, every day she was uh uh, telling her child to, you know, do a chore. The chore was just, like, to empty out the dishwasher. Um, this child's, like, uh, six years old. Um, and to you know, the chore was just, like, to take the dishes out and to, like, to put them away. And um, every time he would just go, ah and just, like, get upset and kind of throw, like, a little bit of, like, a temper tantrum, a little bit of just, like, a just frustration and just, like, I don't want to do it. And You know, every time that would be his reaction to her telling him to do that. And so she's like, okay, I'm going to do an experiment. Her experiment was doing uh, a little connection ritual or a little, uh, we call them in consciousness, but I love you rituals, um, uh, before she asks him to do the dishes and, you know, uh, connection has the way that you connect. It has these different components, um, and I'm going to tell you what the components are so yeah. that you can use them. And there's something you can very much apply and when you're trying to connect uh, with your child. And we, and we say connection primes the brain for willingness. So, connection has uh, these components it has uh, touch, some kind of touch, you can be mm-hmm. like fingers, hands, all those things, hugs, um, presence, actually being engaged mm-hmm. in it, um, um, a playful situation um, and eye contact. So you have those components and we have these kind of sp- specific kind of rituals. You can make up your own, but if you're, you're kind of doing those components with your child, you're making eye contact, contact, mm-hmm. you're giving your presence in a playful situation and you're, you're touching, you're connecting with them. Um, um and so she did this connection ritual with her uh, child every time. And then, uh, every time she did it afterwards, he would just be like, okay, mom, and he would go and do it. And there wasn't a fight. I love that. And and so, you know, just you know, think about like sometimes we don't see that, or sometimes we may not feel like doing it, but it, the child might need connection um mm-hmm. before they're able to uh uh do the thing that we're asking them to do or wanting them to do or to really meet our expectations. Um um, to really get to the higher centers of their brain so that they can really access more of their resources and skills and knowledge. Um, and that's part of that seeing, part of the Sea guide, trust.
0: Yeah. It's like connect before you direct, but I love how you broke down. This is what connection entails because sometimes we're like, okay, connect. Let me look in their eyes, but we're not like, we don't have the energy. We don't have the focus. We don't have the presence. It's not connection unless it feels like connection in our bodies. Also, we can't just like fake connection because our kids are like emotional little beings like it's more about the emotion and the energy and the presence that we're br- bringing they're going to be able to feel that but it's it has yes. been exactly the same in my home if i take even just a minute to spend some time connecting before i ask them to do something it, there's a much higher percentage of them listening to me after i've after i've connected first
1: yeah. So another an, another key phrase here too, you, you talked about energy is that our state dictates their state. Mm-hmm. And so if we are asking them, if we're like, go do the dishes, they're likely going to respond in an emotional state with, with upset too. Um, and that's not going to be helpful, right? Yeah. And so if we want them to be in a better state to access um, their, their resources and their knowledge that we have to sometimes before we do that, we have to self-regulate ourselves. We have to we have to uh, get to a regulated place ourselves because sometimes you know maybe you come in the door after a day of work and you're already you know you're just you just want to decompress and then you walk in, you see shoes everywhere by the door. Or not put away. You see the, mm-hmm. the, you know, the dishes aren't done. You see there's, you know, chaos happening in the house. And so you get very frustrated tone. You try to like, you know, you direct things and tell people what to do. And like, yeah. why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done this? And then there's reaction and you know, they might yell back at you and or yeah. they, or they, or they may shut down a lot. of People respond and children respond in all different kinds of ways. Um, in the conscious discipline, we talk about, um, you know, we have a kind of a metaphor for the threat, kind of three brain states of the executive state is when we're kind of regulated and really at our best. The emotional state is when we are uh, like like when we're emotional. And a lot of times this happens when, you know, what, what we'll do, some behaviors that you'll see when a person in an emotional state is that they'll blame others, they'll criticize, they will, you know, this is like the classic you know, and on the four-year-old says, you're not invited to my birthday party. That's an <laughs> yeah. emotional state, right? Yeah. Or yeah. you're not there. Or I hate you, mom. Like, this oh, man, I hate from. you, mom
0: is my six-year-old's like go to like when she's mad. I'm like, oh, okay, she's feeling some feelings it's The I hate you, mom. You're the worst mom ever
1: yeah yep. and that's a sign that you they may need connection mm-hmm. um and, and in this state they are the the question that their brain is asking is am i loved mm-hmm. um, the question that the brain is asking when we're in an executive state is what can i learn now there's also another state survival state and this is when you can see when a child is used is in a survival state because they're likely using their survival skills the fight the flight the fawn and a lot of people don't know what fawn is but that's yeah. kind of like when we just like people people please to just to survive, to kind of get through the situation. But we're not really, really using our skills when we're in a survival mode. Um, we're not really using the skills, that what I would call our thrival skills, the skills that we need to thrive. Um, we're just using skills that we need to maybe survive in that moment, which is fighting, flighting, or fawning. Um, and the brain is asking, when, and in a way that you can know um, that a child is in a survival state, yes, they may be using survival skills. They're also likely not using any words. Um, and um, the, what the brain is asking when a child is in a survival state is, um, am I safe? And this is and it's really important when a child is in a survival state. That's where, you know, our energy is really important um, to help move them up. A lot of times a child is in an emotional state. We might come in and start like start an executive state. The child's in an emotional state, they might say, they might talk back to us. And then we get an emotional state and we'll talk back to them, uh, yeah. get, reinforcing the behavior that we don't want to see.
0: Yep, um yep.
1: And, and that only pushes them further down. Um, and their brain is in it, it escalates, it gets worse. They may shut down. We get in a survival state but instead what we can do in those moments is really see them in that moment see what they need what what state are they what state are they in what question is their brain asking what do they need right now do they need to know that they're safe and safe is, doesn't mean like you know am i going to fall off a 40 foot cliff you know it is safety is very objective um it, it's it's very safety doesn't mean are they uh is their life uh in danger or not Mm -hmm. um safety can mean am i safe to be myself
0: yeah like emotional safety
1: right right Mm -hmm. um and this is it's really important that um we're able to offer that emotional safety with with our energy Mm -hmm. not even all the time with words um because words, I mean, it can be really hard to process words when we're in a survival state. Um, so with our safety, with our breathing, um, it, it, you know, that's what's really important when a child is in the survival state. Um,
0: yeah, it's like yeah. Turn, it's like turning back to us and being like, okay... What is my emotion? What is my energy right now? And what can I do to help myself calm down? Because how we teach emotional regulation is through co-regulation. It's through right. us being that calm and present provider for right. them. Um, what I would love to pivot and talk to uh, talk about is um, teaching. Um, I've noticed um, in... Yes school systems, uh, some people are a little bit more, you know, forward thinking about this, but in a lot of school systems, they don't really have this down yet. They're really not into like conscious discipline or connection or attachment, right? It's it's kind of the more of the traditional parenting t- tactics that we used to see in the generations before us are yep. still, in my mind, still quite present in the school system. So um, I know that you talk on this often, but if there's teachers or administrators or people working in the school system that really love this approach and and parenting, how can they start to be that change within the school world?
1: Oh, man, huge question, because we're talking about...
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is like everything you talk about forever.
1: Yes, yes. And, you know, recognizing that it's not even just... Uh, individual teachers. It's also the systems that yeah. teachers are operating in that were created with these kind of old uh, traditional ways of thinking, you know, such as, you know, uh, uh, you know, failure to make children behave equals my failure. Um, uh, another one is um, when I fail to make someone obey, you um, that that has something to do with my self worth. Like I'm not a good teacher. Yeah. I can't make these children obey me. Um, and uh, and so understanding, you know, I think a lot of parents uh, have been doing the work. And probably listening to your podcast, they've been doing the work uh, themselves in their own home, and then you know, and and maybe they, maybe they even have their, you know, partner on board or maybe even other family members. And they've been able to kind of uh, do utilize kind of the gentle parenting approach and been able to, to, you know, co-regulate and talk about emotions. And then they go into the school system and it's, it's, they, you know, they recognize that teachers aren't, a lot of teachers aren't doing that. Um, and a lot of teachers haven't really gone on this journey of, uh, you know, instead of thinking that, you know, I have to make uh, others change. I have to make children change. And the more insubordinate the child, the more force is justified. Instead, changing to, if I want others to change, I first have to change my reaction and my response and my perception, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so it's one thing to even to acknowledge that like, okay, I want to shift the paradigm. It's a whole... Different thing of actually then, okay, now what does that look like, right? And a lot of parents probably went through this too. What does that look like for me and my household? And you kind of went yeah. on this journey of learning, of making mistakes, of oopsing. Um, teachers also recognize that teachers also have to go through that journey. First, they have to make that decision. They have to choose for themselves that they want to make the commitment to um, to, to teach in a healthier way, Um um, in a more helpful way and not just, just overpowering children uh, using fear and shame. First, they have to make that choice to focus more on collaboration and connection. After you make that choice, that choice is very much the hard part, something we should celebrate. If you made that choice, clap, pat yourself on the back, celebrate, woohoo! But then comes a lot of the work. The hard part, right? And not to say that that isn't a hard part, but then it's like, how do we actually practically do this in That's a classroom with 20, 30 children, all with different needs, all with different things going on who are coming from different cultures, backgrounds, different things that happened that morning in a different, you know, they're all coming in their different state. How do I make that a reality in the classroom? And so the first thing that I would say, cause I get these messages all the time is from, from parents is like, what do I do? Like what do I do, like, by I'm noticing the teachers using a lot of like judgment and shame. They're using the color chart. They're using time out, force isolation. They're yeah. using, you know, like, what do I do? Like, I don't approve of this. And the first thing I say is to start with empathy and understand that everyone is on their own journey. Um, um, so just start there with the empathy and compassion. Um, because uh we start to get, you know, us being in our emotional state, we can get very critical and very judgmental. Um, um and have and maybe and, and have a hard time trusting that everyone's doing the best with the skills, knowledge, and resources I have access to in that moment. So start yeah. there. Yeah. Second thing is. Build a connection with that teacher. Um and that and that that might take a little bit of time. And it may come with just understanding. You know, if there's something, maybe they have a color chart or something, and that's not something you approve of because it's like, wow, they're gonna, you're you know, judging, you're trying to shame children into compliance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh first non-judgmentally try to understand where they're coming from and what their reasoning for is it and as you and you want to just kind of continue the conversation and kind of you know maybe introduce them to conscious discipline because um conscious discipline has all those questions of like you know cuz the teacher is going to be thinking well how do i do this with 20 kids in my class how to do, do this one child is you know, how do I offer compassion and not go to you know uh shame and use fear when this child's freaking out over here? How do I how do I connect with that child when another child needs help and all this stuff is happening? And I still have my curriculum to teach. Yeah. Conscious discipline has all those answers. Um, and it's not I guess, as simple as just watching a one-minute video um, or even a 30-minute, one-hour video. It really is a journey uh, to really understand the approach to its entirety. Um, And again, they have to be committed to learning about it because you can't force learning on them. Um, And one way that you can kind of introduce them to it is... um, Um, I think a really great introduction if you're a parent and you're trying to introduce conscious conscious discipline in a non-trustful, non-judgmental way is to give them some of the books that come from conscious discipline. The Schubert and the Sophie books. Um, The Sophie's for younger, I'd say, two-ish, three, four, five, maybe six. And Schubert's for like... I'd say kind of five and two about twelve, okay. um, and in those books, not only are there lessons for the children, and it shows kind of how children kind of work through different do different things like frustration. You know, you you know, there's there's one where a child. Uh, forgot his permission to slip at home and he's throwing a temper tantrum, trying to get the world to change. Um, you know, there's another one where, uh, uh a child knocks, uh, Schubert down the main character and takes his apple. Schubert has to figure out how to get his apple back. Um, right? Without using aggressive, without without using aggression, uh, without being passive and how to use his assertive voice and how to kind of learn that skill. And so it teaches children those skills and the story in an age appropriate way. But what one of the things I love most about it is at the back of the book, they have little tips for the adults that go along with that. the lesson in the book. Um, and so that's a very kind of uh, way to kind of introduce it, kind of start some of those conversations um, in a way where you're kind of supporting them because what teacher doesn't love a free book? We're reading books anyways. Might as well get a book that, you know, is, you know, one that's going to be helpful that's going to teach children new skills and also teach the adults some new skills. And I will say um, that if you are listening to this podcast in 2022, that I, because I've been kind of working closely with Conscious Discipline, mm-hmm. I have a promo code, Mr. Chaz 2022 and you can get free shipping from the Conscious Discipline website. Um, so if you're in, if you're into that and you're trying to find, you're trying to support a teacher and healthier, more effective ways of teaching that don't utilize shame and fear um, to to, uh, help children meet our expectations. Conscious Discipline is a really great resource and they have a lot of free resources on the website. So I very much encourage you as a parent to look into it because it's very helpful for parents who have a lot of parent resources, but they also have a lot, a lot of resources for the classroom.
0: Okay, I love all of those tips that you shared. Can you, for people that might be a little bit new to this, can you just tell us what your definition of conscious discipline would kind of be if someone's like, I don't know if I've really heard that word before because I know that discipline, that word can be a little bit tricky in people's minds.
1: Yes, yes. Discipline has kind of been hijacked, but it really just means to teach. Um, Conscious discipline is a uh, trauma-responsive program based on brain science um it it, it is a a social emotional learning program um i don't have the they actually um at the conference i just went to they actually had like a very specific definition that i don't have in front of me right now but that's pretty much what it is and it it very much it it talks about like the different brain states i talked about um it talks about like it has a lot of um ways to connect with children um but it's really shifting a lot of these old paradigms that most of us grew up with to uh, what we know now um, Mm -hmm. about children, about learning. um, And they have a lot of very practical ways to take all that brain science stuff and to utilize it in the classroom. Um, And it is it is been proven to improve the academics, right? The social emotional learning doesn't take away from the academics. It actually makes space. It It makes space for the academics. Um um, because that's what gets in the way a lot of the times Um, you know You know, you hear about the children in the classroom throwing, you know, throwing the chairs and, you know, the bullying um, that happens and, you know, in schools. And if you're focused on, you know, you're if you don't feel safe in the classroom, you're not going to be able to learn. Um, So uh, it's a it's a trauma responsive social emotional learning program um, um, that. It talks a lot about how do you create a school family um, so that everyone can be successful, teachers, uh, children, parents, administrators.
0: I love that because when we're in that trauma response, when we're not feeling feeling that physical or emotional safety or that relationship. Um, it's just not the best opportunity to learn. It's going to be really hard for those kids to learn. So I love what you said about it, creating that space. When we create that relationship and create that connection with our kids, whether it's in the school system or whether it's at home, it allows space for them to learn behaviors and also to learn academics. Um, yeah. I love that. So I think that's a great um, spot to end on. I have loved all this information. You have just shared so much with us. I need to go back and like listen and take some notes on the acronyms and stuff you said because I think they're really great. Um, if people want to work with you, I know your speciality is parents, leaders, teachers of kids around the ages of zero to 12, right?
1: Yep. yep. Yeah.
0: So how do people, how could they work with you? How can they learn more about you, connect with you, all of those things? Yes.
1: Yes. Um, so follow me on social media. I'm on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, a little bit on LinkedIn, a little bit on YouTube, um, Mr. Chess. Um, Now, if you want to work one-on-one with me, I uh, I have a Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Mr. Chess. Um and have different tier levels that you s- can subscribe to depending on what your needs are. Um, so that I can meet you where you're at and you know, whether you might be trying to get a session, maybe you needed a session like yesterday i yeah. have a tier level for that, or maybe you just want to just start going on the journey, start learning. You just want, you know, you can wait a month, have a tier level for that. Um and so I even have one where you, you know, it, it's the most affordable tier level, but it's like, I want to work with you. I just want to be, have access to you, be able to ask you questions, be able to get a coaching session when one is available. I have a tier level for that as well. And so go to www.patreon.com forward slash Mr. Chaz if you want to work one-on-one and email me um, at ch- uh, chazlu at yahoo.com if you want me to come out for, you want me to do a speaking engagement. Mm-hmm. You know, I fly out. I also... To do Zoom information, honestly, with this conversation, we're, we're not even scratching the surface. I didn't get into like you know this helpful scripts to use, how to think about them, and didn't even really scratch the surface with this podcast. So um, please reach out so that we can learn more and learn together. And mm-hmm. and um, if you're a parent who wants to support a teacher in learning, um, get them those. Uh, Schubert and Sophie books and connect with me and I will do my best to uh, help in this
0: situation. Yes. I find your Instagram so helpful. The way that you describe it, the content that you put out there is just really, really helpful. So make sure that you go connect with him there. And um, I will have all of the links to everything in the show notes. So if you're interested in the books that we talked about or any of the resources that Mr. Chaz said on the podcast, they will be below here as well. So thank you so much for being here with us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. If you'd like to help spread this work to the world, share this episode on social media and tag me, send it to a friend or leave a quick rating and review below so more people can find me. If you'd like more guidance on your own parenting journey, reach out.